you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Let's get into the word of the Lord for a few moments tonight. I asked Cameron how long I had. He said an hour and a half. I see daggers going that direction tonight. Galatians chapter 4. I'm just going to read a little portion of a text just to satisfy the fact that I... Many feel that I need to read a text. So I'm going to read this text tonight and I'm going to draw my title for my message tonight from this text and really not textually preaching tonight as much as delivering a message that is more a topical message tonight that I feel the Lord laid on my heart and we'll see what God wants to speak to us. Galatians chapter 4 verse number 4 the scripture says but when the fullness of time was come the fullness of time. The fullness of time. Lord, help me tonight to speak what you have laid upon my heart to this congregation. I pray that every person in this room tonight receives the word of the Lord, that it may accomplish the purpose for which you were sending, that your word was anointed from the beginning. I pray that you anoint the messenger tonight. Let every heart receive. Let every life be touched in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The fullness of time. The fullness of time is speaking toward the completion of the process of time. Everyone here tonight is familiar with processes. Many of you worked in, work in factories locally or in businesses that has processes. Everything has processes. Even churches have processes. Manufacturing has processes. A process is a series of steps or functions that are necessary in order to obtain certain goals. Processes have to be completed in order for things to be completed and to reach a final product or to reach a solution. Thus, the fullness of time really speaks to the process of time. How many of you know that God has always worked through the process of time? 
The scripture said everything good happens in its own season and in its own time. There is a process of time. God established processes by which he manages the kingdom. We we have to all recognize the significance of these divine processes and understand that God works through processes of time and that he is working through these processes to work everything for our own good. Just because you go through a few things in this life and in this world doesn't mean that God is against you or that God is working against you. It actually means that God is working for you. He's working something into you. Uh, He's working something better for your future. But you have to endure the process that the fullness of time may come into your life because uh, you, you can't pull the fruit from the vine a little early. Yesterday, I was driving through Park County and I saw um, an Amish farmer and they were working in the field. And I noticed that some of the pumpkins in the field that he was working in was, was reaching ripeness others were still green and I noticed that they were moving through the field and they were cutting the vine and they were harvesting beginning the harvest of pumpkins it means it's it's fall season in Indiana and they were harvesting and they were picking from the vine but I noticed that ahead of where they were with their team of mules and horses that ahead of them were still some pumpkins that were were orange and were ready to be harvested but behind them were the green pumpkins and the pumpkins that were not yet developed into uh, into their fullness. Some of them were large and they, they looked like they had reached the development of size but the fullness of time has not yet come for them. They're, they're still green. They have not yet developed. It takes time in this season for it to be developed. I, I have been blessed to raise three very wonderful sons that I am so very proud of. And those of you who know me know that I probably err in that I like to brag on my sons. I'm proud of them. They make my heart swell. They're all very gifted in their own areas, very talented in their own areas, very anointed in their own areas. They're all three different, yet they have certain similarities that their mom put a lot of goodness into them. And so I'm thankful for that. But I, many of you, of course, will snicker if you've been in this church for a season of time. I reflected back and, and was thinking today about, uh, about certain campaigns that were ran in this church. And I remember back in 2011, there was a campaign that people were signing that was called Let Spencer Preach 2011. And, and I, I was thinking that at 13, he, he had it figured out that if he could get enough signatures, he could get a Sunday night in the pulpit. 
And so he was working hard, and I had a difficult time trying to explain to him while he had many gifts and was so blessed and used in so many different areas of ministry that there was a development process. Little did we know that at 18 years of age, he would step out and start the process of establishing a new church and at 19 and having a birthday this week and turning 20, that uh, he would be a young campus pastor leading a group of people. But it started way back when he was very small, when he would pull up a chair and need to stand in a chair to look up on the table. And he would put his notes out and he would say, Dad, I got a message to you. And his voice would change. And he would begin to preach his sermon. And they actually made better sense than some I've heard. And probably some I've preached. And I would try to explain to him, son, uh, your time has not yet come. I I know the zeal that you have, but there's a process uh, that you have to go through. There's some development. There's some. It's just time. It just. It takes time. You can't. You can't pull it from the vine too early. The Amish farmer knew he had to leave it in the field, which means extra work for him. He's going to have to go back through the field again and pluck from the vine. God has established processes in your life and and, and when that process is completed it is the fullness of time and God will speak certain things into your life. I've watched and and I've known individuals and watched several very talented and, and anointed individuals that start out well but during their life and during their ministry that is so filled with potential but far too many of them end up shipwreck short of the promise being fulfilled in their life because they could not stand up to the process the fullness of time never developed them into what they needed to become because it was the process that they fell under when God was working some things into their life. When some folks are met with resistance, they stop trying. They give up or they end up bitter about what they have gone through. I stand here tonight and look across this congregation at different men and women and young adults alike in this, in this room that have gone through through things that nobody should have ever had to have gone through but when you come out the other side of it many of you look back and say thank God for the process that I went through because if I hadn't have gone through it I wouldn't be where I am tonight no God is still not done working in your life but he's allowing you to go through the process that you can reach your promise If you don't get anything else out of what I'm going to say to you tonight, I want you to get this. God has a plan for every life, but for that plan to come to fruition, for the fullness of time to come, you will have to submit and go through the process. The process of God is the time that God uses to transform us. It's the time of testing, of trials, of chastening that we all must endure before we ever see greater things in our life. I look on the walls and see when we first cast the vision for possessing our promise and before we first pulled the the first permit, I realized this past week on September the 18th, uh, my Facebook account popped up uh, a 
celebration three years ago when we pulled the, 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 the permit from the local city county uh, where we were getting ready to, to put the footings in and we had to pull the, 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 the foundation permits before we ever moved forward three years. But before that, we presented to you a vision and began to talk about possessing our promise and where we were going to go and what we were going to do. And we were excited about it. Remember us singing the song, we're going to see what we're praying for. And we walked out and marched out the walls of this church and walked out onto the front lawn and released balloons that were filled with prayer. And they went up into heaven and, and they had little cards attached to them praying for the miraculous. I wonder tonight how many of those prayers have miraculously been answered some three years later but it was a process for us to get from there to here the word process simply means a succession of time events or happenings in order to reach the end product see here is the issue we all want a good ending But we don't want to have to go through the process that time brings into our life. Can I tell you tonight that it's the same miracle whether it happens in an instant or whether it happens through the fullness of time. In Isaiah the ninth chapter and the 8th verse, the Bible talks about Jacob and, the, and Israel and it said that the Lord sent a word into Jacob. Everybody say into Jacob. And it lighted upon Israel. In other words, there was a word that came to Jacob but it lighted upon Israel. Joseph was the son of Jacob. His name was changed to become Israel. The word of the Lord was not speaking to Jacob, but it was, it was speaking into, into Jacob. There, there are times in your life when God speaks into your life, but He is not speaking into who you are now. But He is speaking to the potential that is within you. Prophecy is spoken from the pulpit or into your life or into your, into your ministry and many prophecies that come forth. What we have to understand about prophecy is prophecy is God's intention towards you. A word of prophecy can come that God wants to bless you financially. But if you go and quit your job and shut down your business and get you some sweet tea and a boat and go to the lake and wait for God to fulfill the prophecy, I'll promise you it'll never come to pass. Oh, I'm standing on the promise of God. I'm going to be wealthy someday. God's going to bless me financially, so I'm not going to work for it. Misunderstanding a prophecy. Prophecy is God's intention towards you. When a word of prophecy comes forth and it says God wants to bless you financially, get ready, you may get some overtime. About a third of you is going to enjoy this tonight. The other, the other two-thirds is going to hate me before I'm done tonight. Prophecy is God's intention toward you. True prophecy is, is, has the potential to come to pass, but it may not happen right now. 
it may happen in the fullness of time. Prophecy of revival has come to this church and we have seen revival, but I do not believe we have seen the fullness. Because the fullness of time has not yet come. He has not yet said, well done. So we got to keep doing until he says, well done. And there's going to be more prophecy that's going to come forth that says there's going to be a greater revival because I do not believe we have seen the greatest revival or the greatest service or the greatest harvest. Because what God has ahead for you is greater than what is behind you. So he speaks promise into your life. It doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. And he can fulfill it and will fulfill it. And you have within yourself the potential to see it fulfilled. There can be prophecy toward your ministry. But you've got to walk worthy of the call. See, sometimes we think because the word of prophecy comes forth toward our ministry that we can live like the devil and still see the end product. It's God's intention and potential that He's speaking toward you. This is what He wants to do. But you've got to walk godly, holy, and righteously. He speaks a promise into your life. But often that promise is not fulfilled in an instant. There has to be a season. Everybody say time. There has to be a season that you have to go through. And during that season, He is preparing you for what He has for your future. Notice with me in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created the O Jacob, and that formed the O Israel. Notice that Jacob was created, but Israel was formed. Hmm. Jacob's name meant supplanter or rascal or joker. Israel, which we get from the Greek, is originally a Hebrew name meaning He hath striven with God. Oh my. He wrestled with God, sometimes against God. And he has been served or preserved by God. See, sometimes the process is preserving you. Sometimes the only things that's keeping you foundationally secure is the fact that he hasn't given you the fullness of what he has for you because you couldn't handle it if he did. (laughs) Maybe it's the battle in your life that is preserving you. Jacob was created, but Israel was formed. Hmm. Because the name could never be changed. The name Israel literally means power with God. 
How in the world can a rascal who fights with God be given power with God? There had to be some changes in the rascal. There had to be some changes in his attitude, in his spirit. He had to quit fighting God and they had to get on the same team with God. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, but not until he went through some things. The prophet of God, Elijah, sent the servant to the top of the mountain to look for a sign of rain. What the servant could have done was refused and said, I already been to the top of that mountain. But he went up and he came back and he said, I don't see any clouds. And he said, go back up there again. See, the deal is, is some of us say, I've already prayed about it. I've already sought God about it. I've already climbed up the rough side of the mountain. The pastor comes, gets in the pulpit, evangelist come, preacher comes, stands in the pulpit, preaches, and says, come on, let's go back up the mountain. And you say, nope. I know what the mountain looks like. I've already been up there. There's no cloud up there. The cloud is not going to happen until the process has happened. Until the spirit and attitude changes and you say whatever you say do master. You say climb the mountain. I'm going back up the mountain until I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Through the process of climbing up the mountain perhaps giving me a little leverage here now a little scriptural leverage but through the process of climbing up the mountain perhaps it was the process that prepared the servant to see what was there all the time maybe the cloud was there the whole time maybe he climbed up the mountain but didn't have the faith to see it but you just keep keep climbing the mountain and taking the report back until your faith gets strong enough to say, there it is. It's not much. It's only a cloud the size of a man's hand. But I'll keep on climbing the mountain until he says, your time has come. There goes your vision. I'll lift the fog. Whatever I have to do so that you can see at a distance a small cloud the size of a man's hand. It may be that God has some great things in store for you. Don't get frustrated. Just keep climbing the mountain. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep waiting. But there's going to have to be some things worked out of your life for you to get to the point where God... has fully prepared you through the process of time. The reason some people never get their prayers answered, never have a real encounter with God, never receive their miracle, is because they're not willing to climb the mountain. Moses climbed the mountain to hear from the Lord and returned with an answer to the people. But then there was a time when he came and said, The Lord said, you've got to climb the mountain for yourself. And they said, not so. We don't want to climb the mountain. 
And the Lord said, okay, I'll withhold my word. And you'll not find where God spoke to them again. you got to be willing to endure the process of time. Don't get angry at those who are being blessed. Don't get angry at those who are being promoted. Don't get angry at those who are being used in the kingdom of God. Chances are they've been climbing up the rough side of the mountain while we're hanging out at the drinking fountain. While others are waiting for their answer to be brought down the mountain and handed to them, somebody's strapping on their boots saying, I'm going to climb up the mountain. Because my Bible said at the fullness of time, he's going to send forth. He's going to do it. He's going to bring forth what I need. But it's not going to happen to the fullness of time. You can delay the time. Sometimes our lack of willingness delays the timing of God. If you're in the process, keep climbing. Climbing's part of the process. You're in the process and you're weary, keep doing what you're doing. Weariness is part of the process. Maybe God's trying to teach you patience. But eventually when you learn the lesson, it'll be the fullness of time. If you resist the process, you're resisting the plan of God for your future. God's process was never intended to kill you. It's intended to develop you. Jacob was a dreamer. But God had to address the dreamer before he could ever address the dream. The dreamer always has the potential to derail the dream. That's why the dreamer has to go through the process of a Pharaoh, a pit, a prison, and a crazy woman before he could ever get to the dream. Every great man or woman of God has had to learn to endure struggle until the Lord says that's enough. Be encouraged tonight if you're going through it. Come on, link up with your pastor tonight. I've been pastoring here for about 15 years, but I'm going to tell you, it's never been an easy day. In the beginning, there was struggle. In the middle, there's struggle. Through a building project, there's struggle. I got, I got a good solution. If we want to see revival, it's going to come through struggle. Sometimes prayer doesn't come easy. Sometimes church growth doesn't come easy. Just come on and link up with me. We're struggling together. The fullness of time has not yet come. But when it's time, God will send forth the answer. David was anointed by King Samuel, was anointed king by Samuel. When he was a lad, 
But he had to learn to tend sheep, kill wild animals, fight giants, get chased by Saul for 16 years, and complete the majority of the writings of his songbook from a cave before he was ever crowned king of Judah. There's always a process that may intend, that may include tending sheep on the backside of a desert for 40 years and they may not even be your sheep. Don't let this message detour you today from following after the will and plan and mind of God for your life. Don't let it stop you from going after your miracle. I came today not to discourage you but to encourage you and to tell you that God has a time clock. And the fullness of time may not, may not be tonight. But God knows when it is. And in a moment that you think not, He's going to say, you've learned the lesson. You've completed the course. It's time to step up and receive the reward. It's time to receive your promise. Many of you that I'm speaking to tonight have already said yes to ministry. But not everybody here has engaged and said yes to what God wants to do. I want to implore you tonight and tell you don't wait to get started, but find a place to get plugged in. If you're not part of a small group, you need to be. If you're not part of a Bible study group, you need to be. If you've been in the church a while and you're not leading a small group, you need to consider it. Well, I'm waiting for a better time. There is no such thing as a perfect time. Right now is the right time. It may be the best time. Start now. I was privileged to teach a couple of Bible college classes for a few years. And when I was teaching those classes, I would tell my students over and over again, don't wait for better circumstances. Before you get started. I put it in my kids' head when they were very young. You don't have to go somewhere else to be used in ministry. Well, I want to be used. God's going to take me somewhere. Chances are if you're not doing anything where you are, you probably won't do anything when you get to where you're going. But if you'll engage and do everything you can where you are, with what you've got, God will use you. I told my boys from the time they could talk, do what you can where you are with what you've got. Until they started saying it for themselves, do what you can where you are with what you've got. I tell you tonight, church, look for every opportunity. Do what you can where you are with what you've got. I won't be much longer. Oh, I was expecting another hand clap. I want to challenge you tonight. Find something that you can do that nobody else can do. Look for an opportunity to engage in what you can do. I have folks and there's misconceptions in the church, misunderstandings. In small churches... Very small churches, often there's opportunity to do anything and everything. There's very few people doing anything. 
as the church grows, we find more and more people. The issue is, is a ministry that is flourishing usually has a backlog of people ready to step in and leave. But my challenge to you tonight is not look for an opportunity to be a hero leader and step in and try to lead somewhere where it's already successful. Why don't you look for something? Why don't you look for the vacancy in the void? Instead of complaining about what's missing and what's not right, why don't you start saying, I'm going to step in. That's an area where I can work. It's an area where I can labor. My hat's off tonight and I'll compliment him publicly. My father-in-law sits on this second row tonight. One of our biggest supporters in the church. Whatever goes on, whatever's happening, he's there. He's not much of a builder, but he swept the floor of that building so much he's worn grooves into it. He carries out the trash. He stacks up boards. He'll do anything I ask him to do. He gets on the lawn more and mows the, mows the grass when it doesn't even matter whether it's really mowed well or not. He still goes out and takes care of it. He, out, he goes out and sprays the weeds. I look back and remember. I remember when nobody else could lead worship. It was old Dan. Some of you don't remember those days when he stood in the pulpit and led worship. When he was teaching Bible studies. When he was the one leading youth groups. My hat's off to him. Because he stepped aside from different ministries. He stepped aside from different public ministries and upfront ministries. And he looked around and saw that nobody was working in the parking lot. We had ladies driving in, parking on icy parking lot, driving in to, to, to a muddy parking lot. And he started saying, Pastor, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to go stand at the door. I'm just going to offer valet parking for our guest and for anybody who needs assistance. I'm just going to be there. Dan, my hat's off to you tonight because you look for an area that... You look for something that nobody was doing and said, let me do that. I challenge you tonight. Why don't you birth a ministry? Why don't you look for an area where nobody's doing it and say, I want to do it. I want to be part. I want to get involved. I know. I know. Often folks come say, Pastor, can I be part of this ministry? Pastor, can you give me a ministry? Let me explain something to you. With all due respect, I want to I try to help you with this tonight. A pastor births the vision often in prayer, contemplation, and preparation. He births the ministry. It's his baby. He figures out how it needs to operate, how it needs to function. He puts everything he's got into it. He births that ministry. He loves it. He holds it dear to his heart. He keeps it very close to him. Prays over it. Contemplates it. Over it. Figures out how the system needs to function. Begins the operation of it. Gets some folks involved. Get some things moving. He looks for somebody. He calls somebody that he feels. He handpicks somebody. He says, could I trust you with my baby? Could I put my baby into your arms? Could I, could I hand you this ministry? Could I ask you to lead this ministry? 
I've wept over it. I've stayed up at night over it. I've prayed over it. But I want to put this baby in your hands. Please take care of my baby. He walks away putting the baby in good hands. So he feels. But then comes the tale of the truth about our commitment, our trustworthiness to the ministry that has been put in our hands. Because our attitude toward that ministry starts being, oh, look at me. Oh, look at me. Look who I am. Does everybody see what pastor asked me to do? Does everybody see who I am in the church? Does everybody see what pastor thinks about me? Look who I am. Oh, yeah. A few months passes, the new wears off, and the accolades are gone. Oh, it's Sunday morning. Think I'll go to church. Here I am in church on Sunday morning. Woo! Everybody knows who I am. Pastor comes by. Hey, what about that project? What about that ministry? Ah, yeah. Yeah, I left it at home this morning. I've been bringing it for a while. It's no big deal, really. That was the day I thought it was, but nah. I got this thing. No big deal. It's all going to work out all right. It is what it is. I got it. No, listen. Listen, I, I prayed over this. I felt divine direction. I, I let, let, let me try this again. Let me put this baby back in your hand again. Let me explain to you. You got to get up early and pray over it. You got to be faithful to it. You got to work it. You got to change that baby's diaper. You got to feed that baby. You got to deal with all the mess and the stink and you got to clean up after it. See, it's not all glamour. See, when I first handed the baby to you, you thought it was glamour. And you loved the title and you loved what I put in your hand. And you bragged about it and loved for everybody to look at it. I trusted you with my baby. Now, I've taught you, taught you that you got to get up early. you got to take care of it. you got to deal with all the problems that come along with it. It's a real job. Yes, sir, Pastor. I got that baby. Going to be faithful to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm telling you, Pastor. Woo. Trust me with that baby. Hey, I'm busy this week. You take care of that baby. Hey, Brother Danny, what about that baby? Oh, I delegated it, Pastor. 
Good leadership, I learned it from you. You delegated. What are you doing now? Well, you know, I'm waving at people. No. No, you're taking a baby. Somebody stayed up and wept over, cried over, treating it casually. No big deal. Toss it on the shelf. Throw it aside. I'm speaking to the church tonight because as we move forward into a new building, as we move forward into our future, everything in our church matters. Everything speaks. Everything matters. Every ministry is important. No matter what it is, I had a man from our community come this week, stopped in, we were working. He stopped in, walked in, sat down and looked at me and said, there's one thing I want you to know, Pastor, that I admire so much about what you guys are doing. He said, everything that you're doing, you're doing with excellence. He said, I want you to know that it speaks to me. It says you really care about what you're doing. Everything matters. Every ministry matters. When we become casual with the things of God. Well, pastor, you know, I don't know. Listen, you're in the process. We have not yet reached the finish line. The fullness of time. Pastor, I don't understand. It doesn't seem that important. It's because we have not yet reached the fullness of time. If you're not careful, you'll end up dropping the baby and the whole church will grieve. If you do it because I ask you to do it and only because I ask you to do it, you won't take it seriously. But if you'll go to God in prayer and start saying, God, I want you to show me. I want you to reveal to me. And you begin to let ministry be birthed in you coming out of prayer. In deep consecration unto the Lord. Things begin to be revealed that you feel passionate about. And instead of coming in saying, Pastor, give me a baby so I can brag about what you've given me. It'll, you'll be coming and saying, Pastor, I have this vision. I see this opportunity. I'm looking at this ministry. I'm looking at this place where I can go. I was challenged yesterday yesterday by our sectional presbyter. He said all the way from headquarters down, they're reaching into every community and city. They're looking for places where we can start preaching points in every jail, in every, in every area of incarceration, in every nursing home. Oh, I know you want the Sunday night microphone, but what are you doing with the call that God has placed upon your life? What are you doing? Would you let ministry be burned out of prayer? Would you find a place to reach your community, reach your reach you the street you live on? I'm quickly closing. Everybody in this room should be doing something for the kingdom of God. The fields are white unto harvest, but the labors, they're few. 
Oh, we can send thousands of dollars across the globe to missionaries. We can give $4,500 to She's for Christ in a Sunday night offering in the middle of a building project. But the mission fields of your own backyard are empty. Over 33,000 souls are within a 10 mile radius of this building where we are tonight. Well over 150,000 souls within the reach of this church. And most of them lost without God. What are you doing to reach them? What are you doing to reach them? Well, I go to church. What are you doing to reach them? If our national averages are correct, less than 12.5% of our city population attended church today. There are literally thousands of children and students under the age of 18 right in our own backyard. And according to national statistics, only about 15% of them attended church today. That means that within the reach of this community, within the reach of this church, where we sit today, over 30,000 children and students within the reach of this church didn't have a ride to church today. What are we doing to reach them? Isn't anyone interested in going to the field? Oh, pastor, when am I going to get my ministry? Pastor, when am I going to get sent out? When will it be my turn to start the daughter work? When will, it, when will it be my opportunity to sing the solo? When will it be my opportunity to preach in the pulpit? When the time comes. But right now, the Lord has sended me to remind you that the fields are wide unto harvest. Not before and not after, but when the fullness of time came, He sent forth His Son, born of a virgin, sent to save the world. I come tonight to tell you that the fields are wide and ready to harvest and it will not be long till the Lord's going to say the church has done its duty it's done its work it's fulfilled its, its call how many people will you take with you what will you be doing where will you be serving tonight as heads are bowed and eyes are closed around the room I ask you to consider what are you doing for the kingdom of God? No, not, not your own kingdom, the kingdom of God. What are, where are you serving? Where are you working? Where are you laboring? What ministry are you involved in? What small group are you part of? Maybe you're not even leading, but you're there supporting. Maybe you're going to be a supporting 
part of someone else's small group, but we're labors together and you're working together. What Bible study are you part of? Pastor, I'm so busy. We all are. What are you doing? The time has come for our church to make some major shifts in that we're moving into a new building, but not only a new building, but to whom much is given, much is required. In the next 13 days, we're going to be celebrating. I got a feeling that the mood is going to be bright and we're going to be shouting. We're going to be celebrating. But tonight, I'm calling you to consecration. I'm calling you tonight to make a commitment. To say, I've got to do more than I'm doing. I've got to serve somewhere in the field. The time has come. The time is now. I need to be involved. I need to be engaged in what God is doing. I'm asking you to stand with me around the room tonight, if you would. I open these altars and give you an opportunity to step forward. Some are already here. Others are coming quickly. Why don't you join us tonight? Join these that are already here tonight. God's speaking. He's calling hearts. He's calling hearts tonight. He's he's calling us to join the team. If you can't kneel tonight, just feel free to come forward and just sit in the pews. If you're unable to kneel, if you're able to kneel, maybe you'd like to find a place to pray. There's still room here in the front. Maybe you want to come just stand. Let's just respond to the word of the Lord tonight. Let's do more than just feel a moment of conviction. Let's make a commitment to God. I'm going to do more and be more than I've ever done and be more than I've ever been. Now I'll say yes, Lord. 